Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the things that go bump in the night. Monsters lurking under your bed or deep in the forest. That unknown creature lurking just out of sight. And frighteningly imagined creatures, ghosts, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, well... With the kiddos back to school in a lot of places, I thought, well, maybe it's time we learned a thing or two here on Dark Enigma. (laughs) So with that said, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have, well, nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation, as always, is yours, my darlings. So choose your poison accordingly. All right. Now for the game part. Here we go. How about every time I say civil? That will be a single shot. And every time I say monster, that's going to be a double shot. All right. Now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump head first into today's dark enigma. So grab your Civil War memorabilia and throw on your very best Scarlet O'Hara as we travel down to my neck of the woods to search for strange tales and mystery monsters from the American Civil War. Yay! Okay, (laughs) I'm having way too much fun tonight. I gotta stop. There are few conflicts in history that illustrate the absolute horrors of war quite as spectacularly as the American Civil War. Or, known as simply the Civil War, or if you're from my neck of the woods, the War of Northern Aggression. Anyways, fought from 1861 to 1865, it was a fierce, gruesome struggle fought between the Union armies of the North and the Confederate armies of the Southern states, in which hung the balance of the very survival of the Union. The secession of the 11 states of the Confederacy, the direction of the United States, and the future of slavery in America. The aftermath of the war would see slavery ended, the infrastructure of the South in absolute ruins, and over 750,000 dead. And it is by far the deadliest war in the history of the United States. Yet among all of the grim history of battles and death that hangs over the Civil War like a dark specter, there are scattered throughout curious tales of the strange, and it seems that there was more than just the enemy lurking about the battlefields of that era. And out of the war come stories of bizarre beasts that prowled through the wilderness to evoke curiosity bafflement, and indeed fear in the bedraggled troops of both sides. Mostly lost to the mists of time, these perplexing accounts are a bizarre look into another 
stranger facet of America's bloodiest war. Certainly one of the weirdest tales of mystery monsters to come out of the Civil War is that of a strange creature said to have the body of a dingo and the head of a crocodile. And, well, you know, us in the South, we're really good with our names, and it has become known as the Crocodingo. The dingo ate my baby. No, I'm sorry. That's something else. Sorry. The creature was said to mostly prowl the area of Scott County, Tennessee. And although the legends of this weird beast had been around for years, the report which most propelled it into notoriety was that of a local from Huntsville, Tennessee, named Hank Lemon. Hi, my friends in Huntsville! According to the eyewitness, on the night of July 31st, 1839, a strange green glow was observed in the sky behind his house and his dogs became extremely agitated at the time, barking and snarling uncontrollably. Lemon claimed that he at first took the glow to be something like the northern lights, and after a few moments of staring at it in amazement, he began to trudge back to his own home. It was then that a streak of light described as a dead straight bolt of lightning crashed down into the woods beyond his property after which the glow in the sky abruptly vanished. Lemon stood there, surveying the silent, dark woods for a while before suddenly a strange creature allegedly bolted forth from the underbrush. The bizarre monster was described as having the body of a large dog topped with a bulbous, reptilian, alligator-like head complete with jagged fangs. Whatever it was, it reportedly moved very quickly and was said to exude an unbearably horrid stench. Lemon said of the smell, and I quote, There was this horrible, charnel stench in the air, and something else, a horrible thing, something that would drive a man crazy should he be exposed to it for too long a period. End quote. Oof. I don't know about you, but all I can think of is Mars Attacks, where they switch the heads of the people to dog bodies. You're welcome for that. I hope you think of that the rest of the night. Little dog people. Okay, sorry. This report marked the beginning of a whole series of sightings of the baffling beast between the years of 1856 and 1860, which was often seen prowling the muddy shores of creeks and ravenously eating fish. So voracious was its appetite for fish that it was claimed at the time by fishermen that the creature was responsible for ever-dwindling catches. Many attempts were made to hunt down or trap the creature without success, and farmers also claimed to have shot at the beast without any effect. During the Civil War, Confederate soldiers began coming back with accounts of seeing the monster while out in the field, darting through the wilderness, studying them from afar, or even growling in a threatening manner. In what such account, a Confederate soldier by the name of Roger Owens claimed to have come across the creature hunched over the corpse of a fallen soldier, apparently guarding it for some reason, possibly due to it being the thing's kill as evidenced by the mauled state in which the body seemed to be. A follow-up investigation into this sighting turned up blood in the vicinity, 
but no body. Dom, dom, dom. Okay, really, I gotta stop being silly tonight. Sightings of the Crocodingo would continue after the war well into the 1900s, particularly in the vicinity of the town of Oneida. And it was rather oddly claimed by railroad workers at the time that the thing had a penchant for gnawing on freshly laid rails, on which it would allegedly leave deep teeth marks impressions within the solid steel. The creature was also reportedly fond of prowling through the dank darkness of the sewer system, and reports of strange snarls or howls from the black depths of the sewers were commonplace. One sewer worker by the name of Jack Bannister claimed to have gotten a good close look at the monster in 1943 when he spied it pushing off a manhole cover in a very dog-like fashion before disappearing down into the murky stench below. Bannister described the creature as looking decidedly alien with the body of a mangy wolf and a misshapen head that resembled that of a crocodile. Sightings of a strange dog or wolf-like creature with a reptilian head have continued in the Oneida area right up into the 2000s. Theories on what the crocodingo could be run the gamut from secret genetic engineering projects, aliens, because we all know it's always aliens, or shapeshifters, to mere misidentifications of coyotes and feral dogs. I don't care what you say, it's aliens. Another strange creature that reared its head during the Civil War was an alleged enormous amphibious monster that inhabited the White River near Newport in northeastern Arkansas. The thing that has been that has come to be known as the White River Monster, because again we're so great with names in the South, anyways, the White River Monster was first brought to public attention in July of 1915 when a plantation owner spotted a huge monster with rough, gray skin basking on the shore of the river. Like, dude, all he was doing was sunbathing. It's all good. The report generated a good deal of excitement, and there were even plans to make a large rope net to capture the beast. Although the creature could not be captured, its trademark three-toed footprints were often seen along the river's muddy shores, as well as trees that had been bent out of shape and brush that had been plowed down flat by something very large and heavy. A further sighting would be made in 1937 when another plantation owner by the name of Bramlett Bateman saw a creature which was reported as being 12 feet long with skin like that of an elephant and with a face that looked like a catfish. I'm going to let you put that together for a second. Bateman was so upset by the presence of the creature in the river that he had had plans to blow it up with explosives until, well, authorities put an end to such ideas by denying permission to do so. First off, if you're going to blow shit up, don't ask for permission. Just saying. The monstrous creature would be sighted nearly a hundred times after that, and in 1971, there was a series of other high-profile sightings which described the monster as being up to 20 feet long and having smooth flesh and some sort of bone protruding from its forehead. It was also said to produce vocalizations that sounded like the mooing of a cow or the neighing of a horse. 
Now I'm just going to say, horses don't sound like cows and cows don't sound like horses, but that description sure does sound like a Norwal. Just saying. Oddly, some of the reports describe the creature to be apparently molting, with patches of skin sloughing off of it. An interesting detail to mention that seemed to somehow give it some weight as to being a real creature, since how many witnesses would think to add on such an odd observation, right? I know. Sightings got to be so prolific that there was even legislation passed to create a refuge for the monster in 1973, which states that it cannot be harmed within the area's borders, which stretched from an area known as Old Grand Glaze and a point on White River known as Rosie. It's an interesting case of an unknown animal being protected even in the absence of proof of its existence. I'm just saying, unless the monster can read signs, he's probably going to move out of that area. Just saying. Although the White River monster was brought to the public consciousness in 1915, there are supposedly reports from an even earlier, during the Civil War, when the mystery monster was said to occasionally overturn boats used for shipping supplies and for transportation of troops. Some boats at this time were reported to have been smashed from underwater by some sort of large, aggressive creature, which would cause damage or even sink them. There is even a report of Civil War soldiers firing upon a large, elephant-like monster on the shores of the river, which seemed to be unfazed before submerging and swimming off. It's unclear if these accounts really happened or if they were fabricated later to match the growing amount of sightings of the purported beast in the early 1900s. Although it is unknown just what sort of creature was prowling the White River, one popular theory is that it was a wayward elephant seal far out of their normal range. Hmm, plausible. Okay. Another water monster seen during the Civil War was the well-known Chesapeake Bay Monster also often called Chessie. Yeah, I love that name. That's awesome. Chessie is said to be a long, serpent-like beast that is reported as being anywhere from 25 feet to 40 feet long and has been seen in the bay for years. One of the earliest purported photographs of this creature, if not the earliest, comes to us directly from the Civil War era. In a book by Edgar Riley called the Civil War of the Worlds, first-hand accounts of UFOs and other mysterious phenomena during America's Civil War. That is one hell of a title, by the way. There is, among all of the compiled tales of historical high strangeness of the area, a curious photograph taken City Point, Virginia, in 1864 at Chesapeake Bay. The photograph is of several Union ships loaded with supplies for the Federal Army, but off to the left, the head, neck, and even a hint of perhaps a body underwater of some strange sea creature can be seen emerging from the water. Could this be Chessie? According to Riley's book, the photograph has been examined by experts, and there is no sign that it has been doctored in any way. If it is real, then it would certainly be one of the earliest photographs that we have of Chessie, or indeed of any cryptic for that matter. Bigfoot was not above making an appearance during the Civil War either, with a few notable sightings of the creature made during those formative years. 
One such account was found amidst a large collection of old letters from the war found at an estate sale in Hartford, Connecticut in 1999. Among the various correspondences between Civil Civil War soldiers and their loved ones were found some written by a Private James Moore of the Pennsylvania 67th Infantry Regiment, Company K, addressed to his wife. One of these letters described an incident which occurred while he was on guard duty along a railway at Harper's Ferry in West Virginia. In the account, some of the men had started yelling excitedly that a hairy man-beast was prowling about, and shots were even fired. The creature was supposedly eight feet tall and covered in thick layers of matted, dark hair. The mystery beast apparently climbed the guard post walls and raided the food stores. Another harrowing encounter with Bigfoot during the Civil War, written of in the Civil War of the Worlds, first-hand accounts of UFOs and other mysterious phenomena during America's Civil War, occurred during the Battle of Chickamauga, a major battle which was waged in southeastern Tennessee and northwestern Georgia from September 19th through the 20th, 1863, and marked one of the most horrific, bloodiest battles of the war second only to the Battle of Gettysburg in terms of the sheer number of lives lost. On the eve of this maelstrom of fighting and death, two Tennessee infantrymen by the names of Privates Ott Morton and Billy Chandler reportedly had been on picket duty when they heard an ear-piercing otherworldly shriek coming from the forest beyond. The two startled men went to the edge of the woods to investigate, and that was when they encountered a creature the likes of which they had never seen before, or had even imagined. The ape-like beast was reported as being ten feet tall, with eyes like hot coals and breath like the smell of rotten meat. The soldiers ran back to camp to tell their superiors, but no one believed them. The next morning, the two unsettled privates were still in a profound state of fear and panic, so a sergeant went out to check it out. When he arrived at the edge of the forest where the creature had been seen, he allegedly discovered huge, human-like footprints in the mud, which measured 22 inches long. This particular battle is the origin of yet another, even more bizarre report of a monstrous abomination that is, well, really hard to classify. In the area of Georgia's Chickamauga Creek, also at the site of the epic bloody Battle of Chickamauga, a strange creature was said to lurk about the battlefield in the aftermath of the ferocious fighting, prowling and flitting amongst the fallen corpses and feeding on the dead, particularly in the area known as Snodgrass Hill. The thing was described as being vaguely humanoid, with glowing green eyes, waist-length yellow hair, and disproportionately large jaws filled with formidable-looking sharp teeth, and would come to be nicknamed Green Eyes. Interestingly, the beast would be sighted from time to time, even long after Civil War hostilities had ended. In fact, in 1981, a park ranger by the name of Edward Tenney gave an account to the author Richard Weiner, which described a rather harrowing encounter with the creature. 
Tinney claims that he was walking through the park one evening in 1976 at about 4 a.m. He was overcome by an inexplicable chill and heavy sense of dread. Soon after which he witnessed a bizarre monster stalking through the woods. Tinney would describe the encounter as such, and I quote, When it passed me, I could see his hair was long like a woman's. The eyes I'll never forget those eyes. They were glaring, almost greenish-orange in color, flashing like some sort of wild animal. The teeth were long and pointed like fangs. It was wearing a dark cape that seemed to be flapping in the wind, but there was no wind. I didn't know whether to run or scream or what. Then the headlights of an approaching car came blazing through the fog, and the thing disappeared right in front of me. End quote. Was that the same entity seen by troops feasting on the corpses of the dead on desolate battlefields during the Civil War? It's really hard to categorize what this strange phantom could have been. Was it some kind of vampire, werewolf, alien, or something else entirely? You know my answer. It's always aliens. Did it ever even really exist at all? Whatever the case, it ranks among the most bizarre stories of mystery monsters from the Civil War. Unfortunately, as in many cases of strange, strange creatures seen during wartime, these accounts have become obscure and forgotten over time, lost to the tides of history. There's little to be done to truly follow up on or come to an understanding of these phenomena, and it's just unclear just how much of these reports are credible and what has been exaggerated or even fabricated over time. These bizarre beasts remained there among the fighting and fallen dead, their memories kept alive solely through obscure old written and oral accounts, which are a challenge to further analyze. However, such reports remain a tantalizing look back into this error, gems of strangeness hidden throughout the rough, ugly realities of battle during one of the fiercest wars ever fought. And with that, my darlings, we've come to the end of our episode, and I thank you for joining me here today. I hope you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think. You can always reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have suggestions for a future show, you just want to tell me what you think, you're bored and you need someone to talk to, drop me a line. I do reply to every single email. And on that note, well, that's all the time I have for you this evening. I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And that's right. Don't forget to tune in next time, my darlings. See you, my heathens. I love you. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.